Thank you, Deep Purple Podcast. You've done it again. You've mentioned something that I didn't know was around, and I've visited it and enjoyed it. This will be Rainbow in their own words. And um, it's a uh, about an hour-long documentary. It's about Rainbow. The clue's in the title. And actually, it's rather well done, because it's got a very simple approach. So, of course, you're going to get the history of Rainbow, but that's a story of history, isn't it? Because whilst the band changed, the main changes were the four singers, vocalists, if you like, that are, um, that have sung with Rainbow. And so, although you do hear uh, Richie Blackmore, the man in black himself, on, um, on audio and uh, on video from other uh, other times, it's the four vocalists. Well, actually, you get three of the four vocalists because you hear Ronnie James Dio um, on audio. And so well, the, the early sort of joining period and forming formation period is stuff we know a lot of. So you are going over kind of old ground, really. Um, it's fun to hear. There's some good live footage. Um, and then some. there's some insight that I didn't know, really. Like Richie saying that um, Rainbow uh, did the album, then he returned to Deep Purple to, to tour, and was thinking, I, I, you know, it's, it's not like it is with Rainbow. He does mention... The, you hear the in the the moment where he mentions um, Rainbow's um, Deep Purple's newer music, the funk element that he calls shoeshine music. That makes my hackles rise. I still don't think it's appropriate. I really don't. Um, but it's interesting to hear it, you know. And um, and then you know, Ronnie Ron James Dio, my favourite rock vocalist, really, or metal vocalist, certainly. Is um, it's always uncompromising, honest, and you know says that Richie Blackmore's Rainbow was on the on the first album, and you know I understood why, but um, and understanding his talking about his feelings about that. There's a very interesting audio uh, interview with uh, John Lord and uh, David Coverdale talking about when Rainbow on stage came out, and Coverdale saying, well, you know, um, on that second album, there's a couple of good tracks. But saying that they're more like foreigner now, and saying that he hates the lyrics, all the kind of kings and queens lyrics and all that. It's interesting to hear it because there must have been a bit of a battle around that. You know, there must have been at that time when you've got Deep Purple changing and um, Richie mentioning bringing and then bringing another guitarist and all of that and. Uh, there must have been a competition there. There has to have been. And Ronnie then talking about the band um, were regressing, not progressing, you know. And um, he was dissatisfied when they played live because there were lots and lots of uh, Richie solos and that sort of thing. But the formation and early days are what we already know, but there's tastier stuff to come, as we know. Because next up... He's Graham Bonnet, and he's interviewed, and he's always interesting, fun. It's a, it's a one album, one take deal, that's got highs and lows in it, and um, 
and interesting highways and byways in it. And he tells you the stories, which is great. You know, as he said, he didn't really know much about Rainbow, you know. And um, he said, well, I, when he was offered the, the job, he thought, I've got the wrong hair for this. That will be a feature in a minute. Yeah, we do get all that information, which is great. And um, he said he thought he had the totally the, the totally damned wrong look for it. He's very sweet and very honest here. Nothing to hide. He said, but you know, once he got out to sing with the band, it's a massive band, it makes you want to sing with them. And there is that story of um, a guard on the door. Was it Colin Hart, their road manager, on Graham Bonnet's dressing room door to make sure before a gig that they that he did not go and get his hair cut. So he went out the window, <laughs> a toilet window I think it was, and went to get his hair cut. It's, it's like, well, so I wanted to hit him with the guitar. I was looking at the back of his head. <laughs> there is a clash of different views of things here, isn't there? And it's it's so exciting actually to to hear all that and to and to hear that you know to hear the the kind of rollicking story of that and the success of the album, you know. Um, Graham said that, and I didn't know this, it's an insight, he said he had quite a, uh, or quite a lot to do with the writing of All Night Long and he was never credited. And he does accept that he isn't really over that, which I can quite understand, you know. The Donington show is mentioned that Graham says he's the best uh, best night of his life, you know. Um, as he says with a smile, he's been down it ever since. <laughs> He, he doesn't hide anything, and why should he? And Joe Lynn Turner, who's up next, won't be hiding anything either, which is great. Um, they talk. He talks about the second album, them all getting there to start to write, and Richie not being there, and them putting down some backing vocals, and then saying, "Well, what?" Graham Bonnet saying, "What's happening here? What, what's what's going to happen?" I'm going to go back to LA, and then when he got back to LA, thinking, "I don't want to go back," really. Said so Don Airy was saying, "I'll go back and play on the on the on the ships." The cruise ships, I suppose, are saying, you, you really don't want to do that, Don. <laughs> it's, it's a lovely story. It's great, actually. Um, and I didn't know this either, but Graham Bonnet said to try and get him back. They said, well, why don't we have two singers for Rainbow? One to sing the songs you don't like, and then you can sing the ones you do. And as he rightly points out, I don't think that will really work. He does say, I don't think I should have gone at that time. I think I should have stayed for another couple of years. And he's probably right. Um, it's a different story for Jolyn Turner, but the great thing about Jolyn Turner is he's very emotional. Not in a kind of, I'm crying my eyes that way, but he feels this. He feels the successes. He feels the, da- the ups and downs and the way people felt about the albums. And it's really interesting to see this. It's kind of unvarnished, to be honest. He auditioned with I Surrender because they had the song coming up. Um, it wasn't written by them, of course. Um, and... He said he had a hand in writing most of the Difficult to Cure um, album. He, he has a, a, a view, and it's, it's good to have this raised about Richie being difficult. He says he's a perfectionist, and so am I. But he was the first to offer praise if you got that, if you got stuff right. If you got stuff the way he wanted it and that you wanted it, he was the first to offer that praise and those compliments. And that's really nice to... It's really nice to see. We do go through the albums, of course, straight between the eyes. He, Jordan Turner accepts, was a, a stab at a more commercial sound, but he said it was po- more popular than than Down to Earth, uh, sorry, than Difficult to Cure, which had been a really popular album as well. And he does call it melodic hard rock, and Bent Out of Shape was a push even further 
to that. You know, he, he accepts that some fans are aggravated because it was too soft, but he said, live, they still had that power. And he talks about fans getting their knickers in a twist, which is quite nice. It's a nice UK idiom, very nice. Um, about the reformation of Deep Purple and the, uh, the ending of Rainbow for a while, he mentions that he was told that Deep Purple would come back together, which he had no issues with. So then the album was a fantastic album. It was great to hear. So, but the idea was that, you know, I had a solo deal with Electra, so I was going to do that, but that Rainbow would come back at some time. And that's the kind of area, that's the kind of way, you know, kind of area I lived in, really. And he's not angry. He wants to make it very clear, and this is very important, actually. That he's not angry with the way that the band ended or the band ending, but he's, he's not happy... And you can see he feels this, which is really good to see, that um, they didn't get a chance to make a fourth album. And he could be right, although by that time I was less interested. You remember, those last two albums, Straight Between the Eyes and Bent Out of Shape, in particular, I wasn't interested in, but that's just me. And we get Doogie White, finally. Yeah, Doogie's great to speak with. And, you know, is fun. There's always a little twinkle in his eye and a little laugh. You know, just at the just at the, the edges of his lips, it's lovely. And I like Stranger In Us All. I don't think it's a great Rainbow album at all, but I think it's a it's a good good stab at it. You know, we he tells us about how he got together. We went to uh, see uh, Deep Purple. He was given a free ticket by someone on a backstage pass. He put four tracks together and gave it to Colin Hart, uh, you know, uh, road manager, and that found its way to Richie via um, via. Candice, I think it was. I think it was my Candice partner. Is it his wife? Anyway, and he liked that. Wrote, he, he he said it's a great story actually that um, that Doogie White tells, which is that he came back from uh, a tour that he was on. You know, because he's a jobbing musician, jobbing singer, really, and actually went back to being a jobbing singer after Rainbow, to be honest. But of a fantastic talent and quality, yes. Anyway, um, and that Tank album he was on recently, just fabulous. Now, here's the story. He came back from the from the from the, the tour to find a note on his door at the house he was sharing, saying, um, "Richie Blackmore's secretary is called," and we're all very excited. Then they were having a party on a Saturday night, and phone rang. Hello, this is Richie Blackmore. Yeah, sure it is. No, honestly, it is. Okay, answer me a question then. Um, and I think, which song was it on Stormbringer? I think it was Hold On. And he said, what, what's special about the, the solo that you play on? Hold On. He said, I played it all with my thumb. Okay, Mr. Blackmore, what can I do for you? <laughs> That's lovely. That's great. And, you know, he talked about them jamming the albums and, and jamming music. And, you know, Richie would come in and he he they'd be jamming and Richie would come in and start playing something and they'd work towards that. Because, of course, it's his band, you know. And then uh, do, they would record everything and Doogie would go through the tapes, eight hours of tapes. He said, I didn't mind. I'm going to hear Richie Blackmore play for free. And um, then present them with sort of, well, these are the best bits, I think. And he says, you know, and we got on really well until the day that we didn't. And it was quick. And I don't know why. Maybe somebody else could tell you, or maybe Richie could tell you, but I don't know why. And there's a sadness in that. And there is a sadness in all of these, um, in all these four vocalists. And great music with them all as well, but it's the sadness, which is, I suppose, the thing that stays with you. That things were great, 
Well, maybe with Graham Bonnet, they weren't great right at the beginning, but generally things were great until they weren't, as Doogie says. And that's what really stays with you. It's a good piece of work, this. As I say, it's short, it's very sweet. There's a lot of um, a lot of in- good interviews and a lot of uh, good live stuff as well in there. And it's stuff you'll, have, you'll know before, you'll have known before, should I say, but quite a lot of stuff you might not have. I certainly didn't, and I'd heartily recommend it. It is on YouTube, and you can see it. And why don't you go and see it? It is about an hour, and I think you'll have a good time. Yes. Which is around the same time that he locked her in the tower. There's your rainbow reference. Go on. Ah, My brain and my synapses are really firing today. Sort of. Ta-ta.